Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. So today is Mother's Day, and uh, I'm going to conclude my series on Jesus over everything, and I will not kick off a new series until June. The next couple weeks, I'm going to focus on just some different things, uh, kind of uh, some standalone messages that I feel like the Lord has given me. And so today, we're going to talk and finish up, and this is a six-week series. I normally don't do six-week series. I start running out of gas about uh, week four, right? But for some reason... I've been able to get a couple more weeks out of this series. And so, um, how many know your life is spent waiting? How many of you seen the bikes? Was the bike still going when some of you came in today? The bicycle, maybe maybe not. Some of you, 10, 15. No, they're probably done at 10. And so, anyway, but this morning, we had at the... At the roundabout up here, the police were there, and, and they have the Mother's Day bike-a-thon or whatever they're doing, and there's bikes everywhere, man, and it's like, it's, 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 it's awesome, but be aware, there's cars also, and so, but man, I got up here, and I had to wait. I had to wait, and I hate waiting. Anybody else hate waiting? Like, I had to wait. I just got back from uh, Tennessee. I went down to Mississippi and spent some time with one of our overseers, and I drove down there, and man, I was on the border heading into Tennessee to go into Mississippi. And man, man, the highway was blocked off, and I had to sit there for 40 minutes. You know what? I ran out of chips. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it gets bad when you have to wait. Things, you know, and that was like my third, ba- I'm joking, that wasn't my third bag. I'm just kidding. But I was, I was, I hate waiting. But we spend a lot of time waiting. How many would agree? We spend a lot of time waiting. You go to a restaurant today, if you didn't make reservations, you're going to be standing outside. And you're going to be waiting, right? And so we spend our life, and, and I, I got some stats for you just to think about when it comes to Americans and the waiting game. Is on average, uh, 32 minutes, uh, um, uh, whenever you go to the doctor, it's about 32 minutes. Now this, this, this is, I've never been to the doctor and had an appointment at 4 o'clock and actually got in at 4 o'clock. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on back there? Are you amputating somebody's leg or what's going on? Like, I just, got, I just got a cold. I just need some antibiotic. You know what I'm saying? But 32 minutes is kind of the average. Uh, we wait when we're traveling. We wait about 28 minutes in security lines. Um, uh, we wait. This is a good one. We wait about approximately 21 minutes for our significant other to get ready to go out somewhere. All the men are like, yes, mine's more like 35, 40. 21 minutes is significant other way. Uh, we, we actually, um, we spend 13 hours annually a year waiting on hold for customer service. Come on, somebody. Isn't that frustrating? You're like, if you put me on hold one more time, I'm coming through the phone, AT&T. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, it's frustrating. They send you, and then most of the time, I can't understand what anybody's talking about and saying on the other end of the line. The customer service, uh, again, we spend about 38 hours each uh, uh, year annually waiting in traffic. Um, this is interesting. 37 billion hours each year waiting in line somewhere. 37 billion hours. People are just waiting, waiting in line. One of my favorite movies is Kicking and Screaming. Anybody ever seen that movie with Will Ferrell? What do you guys watch? Like, you guys just watch the, the, like the Christian movies or something? I bless you. 
you're bored. I can tell you that much. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kicking and screaming, he's the soccer coach, and, and Mike Ditka's in it, and he's the soccer coach, and he gets addicted to caffeine and coffee, and he's waiting in line, and he's in the back of the line, and the line's going slow, and he's like, hurry up up there. He's like, hurry up, and then this woman's like, you got something to say? He starts duking it out with a woman in the coffee shop. It's all, it's because waiting is frustrating. It's constantly, we're constantly waiting. Human beings will spend six months of their life waiting in a line. Six months of your life is going to be spent waiting in a line. Now, there's more serious moments of life when it comes to waiting. Maybe a job for it to come through. Maybe you put in an application or you lost a job and you're looking for a new job for, for a job to come through. Or, or maybe there's a, a marriage in the room today that you're just waiting for it to get better. You're waiting for it to be transformed. Maybe, maybe in the room today that you're just, you're waiting for some healing to take place. And you're in the waiting period of life and healing. Uh, maybe having a child or adoption and you're just, you're in that place of waiting or you're waiting for finances to increase or, or you're waiting for that child that's away from the Lord. You're waiting for that child to come home. Or, or maybe, maybe you're waiting on answers to questions that you've been asking over your life. We all experience serious moments in life where there is a waiting period. And so this morning, I wanna talk to you about Jesus over the waiting, the waiting period, Jesus over the waiting. You know, we get a promise from God, and and the society which we live in, we want this promise to be fulfilled overnight. God gives us a promise in his word, we hang on to it, whether it's for healing, whether it's for relationship restoration, whether it's for transformation in your own life, Things that are happening in our life, and God gives us a promise, and we hold on to that promise, but for some reason, we have this mindset that the promise is supposed to just happen overnight. This thing is supposed to change overnight. Next 30 minutes, God, I need you to do this in the next 30 minutes. Now, there's moments where you have a deadline, and for some reason, God doesn't know about your deadline, you know, but for some reason, you, you feel like God doesn't know about it. And you're in this waiting period, but God gives us a promise, and then there's a fulfillment of that promise. But in the middle of that is a long stretch of time called the waiting period. It is the middle of the road. It is, it is, it is not, you're not, you, there's moments where you're not seeing anything. There's moments where it's like, hey, there's a glimmer of hope. Then there's moments where you're like, this is over, nothing's going to happen. There's, from promise to fulfillment, there is a waiting period that goes on, and if we're not careful, we wait on God to do things the wrong way. You know, you can wait on God impatiently, right? We wait on God impatiently. We fuss with the Lord because we're saying, God, you really haven't done anything. You know, there's, there's, you can wait on him in fear. There's, there's, there's moments of fear in the waiting period. There's moments where your emotional stability is not stable, it's all over the map. It's up and down. You wait in this moment of, of waiting with this emotional instability. You also, in the moment, in this waiting period, can complain. Now, when I'm telling you this, this is stuff we all do. We're like, God, you said this. You're going to do it. And then we just complain for, through the waiting period. We complain about it. We question God. There's moments where we question God, question God and we doubt whether this is really going to happen in our life. You know, we can live also frustrated with God in the waiting period. That's, I think that's the key emotion for me when I have to wait for something. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Why did the semi-truck have to flip over and knock up the highway for 40 minutes? I'm on my last bag of chips. Does anybody else in the line not know that we're waiting in line and it's frustrating? 
or you're waiting on a package in the mail. Thank God for Amazon. We had a random guy show up at our house last night. He was just in his little Kia. It wasn't even marked. We were out in the garage, me and my son. We were out in the garage, and this man just walked up, handed us a package. He wasn't even marked. He didn't even have Amazon anywhere, but it was an Amazon package. Somehow, he got my package, and he brought, thank God for Amazon. You know, give Amazon a big hand clap. Come on. They're good. They're good. Come on now. Now, other places, you're wait. Somebody said FedEx. Amen. If you work for FedEx, I'm sorry about that. Speed it up, people. But thank God for Amazon. So frustrated, irritated. We get irritated. We get aggravated because we feel like there's no activity happening in the waiting period. And see, what we don't do is we don't trust in the waiting period to the point that we actually think God is working even when we don't see him working. God wants us to realize that he's working regardless if we feel like or see him working in the moment. There's things God's working out in the waiting period. 90% of the waiting period when it comes to the fulfillment of a promise has to do with you. The waiting period is about getting you in a position to receive what God had promised. He's got to work through your issues. He's got to work through your unforgiveness. He's got to work through your bitterness. See, a lot of times we, we, we live life in a way where we want things to happen, but we always point our finger at other people for why things are wrong. God takes the waiting periods of life and he works on us. I really believe that the waiting table of life is his surgery table for us. I believe he lays us on this table and he deals with our selfishness, he deals with our fears, he deals with our uncertainties, he deals with our questions, and he just takes his spiritual knife called the Bible, and he starts to get down on the inside of us and pull old root systems out. He starts to heal us of things that, man, we never thought we were actually uh, sick over or broken over. He starts to get down on the inside of us on his table of waiting. That's how God does things. Mark chapter number five, I wanna read a story about a guy by the name of Jairus, and he says this, in verse 21, Mark 5, 21, says this, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, now he's in, the, he's in authority here, he says this, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live, and he went with him. Now, this is a story of a, a ruler of the synagogue comes and his daughter is sick to the point of death. He, he, he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, come, heal my daughter, like come and do a miracle in my daughter's life. Well, this is an interesting story because that's verse 24. If you go all the way down to verse 35, it says, while he was still speaking. What was he doing here? If you read the verses between 35 and 24, there's something that happens in the middle of this miracle. In the middle of Jesus coming to Jairus' house, he deals with the woman with the issue of blood. It's a very interesting story because you think, okay, he employs him to come to his house and Jesus starts to go with him but then Jesus gets distracted by this woman's faith. Now, all of us in this room will be like, hey, man, yo, you need to come. You said you were coming with me to my house. I'm going to need you to come on to my house. Let's go. Right? Well, Jesus decides to hold another type. He, 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 this woman reaches out to him, and, and Jesus stops and spends time 
with this woman. Now think about Jairus. He's sitting there thinking, okay, this woman's getting healed. My daughter's over here sick to the point of death. Jesus, this is frustrating. You're making me wait. This is what Jesus has said. This is what Jairus is experiencing in this moment. It says this in verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Now, all of us in this room, we would be like, hey, man, like I requested healing for my daughter. And uh, you stopped and healed some other folks along the way, and it took time. Now my daughter's dead. He had to wait in this moment between Mark 5, 24 and Mark 5, 35. Like there's this moment where he had to just wait. Now, there's things that he did in this moment that, he, that, that uh, we see the, the response of Jarius in this moment. It says, why, then, then they said, why trouble the teacher any further? In other words, just give up. She's dead. You know, that's the voice of the enemy in the waiting season. Most of the time in the waiting season, the enemy comes to you and tells you, just stop bothering God with your problem. He says, stop messing with the master. And then verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to Jarius, listen to what he said. He gives him a promise. Do not fear, only believe. This is what he tells him. He said, don't fear, only believe. In other words, he was fearful. Jesus was picking up on something of what he was doing in the waiting moment as he was experiencing fear. And, and so Jesus tells him, just believe. And he says, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, and James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion. So now he gets to Jairus' house, and there is people upset. People's weeping. They're loud. They're wailing loudly at this moment. And when he, when he had entered, he said to them, listen, Jesus Look, man, some of you think I'm pretty real and raw and things. Listen to what Jesus said. Can you imagine just walking up into somebody's hospital room? They just passed away, and everybody's crying. And listen to what Jesus said. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? Like, can you imagine if I just walked into one of your, your you know, somebody in your family passed away, and I just walk in and be like, why are you guys crying about this? What's the big deal? What are you crying about? But listen to what he says. He says this. He says, he says, he says the child is not dead but sleeping, and they laughed at him. This is a crazy story, because the, the girl's dead. She's not dead, no pause, nothing. Nothing's happening in this little girl's life. She's passed away, and Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping, and they started laughing at him. They would look at the, the emotional roller coaster. They went from weeping loudly and wailing to laughing at Jesus, and then let's, let's look what he did. Put but he put them all outside. In other words, he kicked them out of the room. Jesus was crazy, man. He was, he was somebody that was just real and raw. And he said, why are you crying? She's not dead. She's asleep. Get out. Now, that was family members. Now, see this picture for just a minute. What was he doing? He was getting unbelief out of the room. He was telling him, get out the room. Then he says this, he says, he says this, and, 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 and said, put him out, and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the girl, uh, where the child was, taking her by the hand, he said to her, to Lithakumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he says, shh. Don't tell nobody that this happened. Now think about this for just a minute, the picture. What, what, what was Jarius doing 
in the waiting season that I think we can learn from him in this moment of how do we stay strong in the waiting season. Psalm 27, 14 says this, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So I'm going to give you a few things. While you are waiting, stay faithful. While you are waiting on God's promise to be fulfilled, stay faithful. Jarius could have become uh, irritated. He could have become frustrated in this moment as he, he brings a request to Jesus, and Jesus begins to heal others. Galatians chapter 5 says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. In other words, that the fruit of the Spirit in your life by the Holy Spirit is faithfulness. So while you're waiting, stay faithful. While you're waiting, allow the fruit of faithfulness to be displayed in your life. The word faithful means this. It means that we're steadfast. It means we're dedicated. It means we're dependable and worthy of trust. We don't walk out on God when things get difficult. We don't start blaming God for every one of our problems. Oh, God, this is your fault. This is your fault. It might be some of your dumb decisions. Is why we're in the position we're in sometimes. But we blame God for so much stuff, and God is saying, listen, be steadfast. The word in the New Testament, it comes from the word faith. He says, he says stay steadfast and dedicated and dependable and worthy of trust. Stay faithful in the waiting season. Luke 16.10 says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So in other words, be full of faith. Or having faith, it's a, faith is a disposition to believe. That in the middle of the waiting, I'm not going to allow fear to come in. I'm going to remain faithful, and my disposition is going to be, be to believe. It's going to be to believe what God said. You, you know, especially in his promises. Listen, I am faithful because my disposition is to believe the promises of God. You have to remain, if you're going to remain faithful... You have to, your disposition of life has to be that you believe the promises of God. Number two is this, while you're waiting, stay focused. Listen to what he tells him. He tells him, he says, overhearing this, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. In the middle of the waiting season, is, it can be a time of distraction, it can be a time where the enemy uh, allows us to get unfocused, and we live our life unfocused. What do we need to focus on? We need to focus on his ways. When we're dealing with, with, with the waiting season of life, we have to focus on his ways. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some have the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. He said, hold fast, hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. In other words, stay focused on what God is doing. Stay focused on his ways. Focus on his word. Focus on his word. It says, it, it says in uh, Psalm 56, it says, in God have I put my trust and, and, and confident reliance. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows, listen to this, are upon me, O God. I will render praise to you and give you thank offerings. He says, be focused on his word. It says that these are vows or binding promises. A vow is a binding promise. 
that you focus on the promise of God. You focus on his word. And, and some of the vows that he says is he's for you. Come on, somebody. He's for you. It says that he won't let you go. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to heal you. He's, he's good to you. He's dancing over you. He's singing over you. He died for you. Think about these promises. But listen, we're living in a generation that's so biblically illiterate. Let me help you this morning. We live in a generation that is biblically illiterate. The only time most of you hear the Bible is Sunday. <clears throat> but we want the results of the Bible, and when we have this, this season of waiting, we want God to come through for us. Listen, man, he's not your sugar daddy in the sky where you can just call on him whenever you have a need. Rejected from relationship. You can't walk around and not have a relationship with him and then him expect, and just expect him when you have a need to come through for you. You have to get in the Bible. You have to get in the word of God. It is the way of God. It is the word of God. Then finally, you got to focus on his work. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We have to declare things like, and we know that all things, uh, uh, in all things God works for good, of those who love him, who have been called according to his promise. We know all things work together for good for those that are called according to his promise, but you have to read verse 27. A lot of times we take this verse and we're like, yes, Lord Jesus, things are gonna work together for good. We're just gonna quote that passage. It's not, it's not in context. Verse 27 says, you can say that because verse 27 says you're praying earnestly. There's a context of this passage, not just, well, God's going to work it out. You know, he's good. He's going to do whatever he wants for me. No, he's not. I hate to tell you that, but it's not going to work that way. There, he said he will respond, and you can declare, because you pray and you seek his face, that I know all things work together for good to those that love Jesus and are called according to his purpose. Not just because you want it. No, it's because you focus. You focus on his work. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's a good work. Come on, say, it's a good work. He said, he began a good work in you, will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You can be confident that the work that he's doing in your life, he's going to perform, and it's a good work. So we have to focus during the waiting period. And then finally, while you're waiting, stay trusting. Stay trusting. The waiting game is a trusting game. Trusting God's timing. You know, how many know that when you uh, conceive to have a child, they give you a due date? Most of the time, you don't hit that date. Most of the time, it doesn't happen. They give you a date, and it's, not, and it's not, you're either late or you're early, right? You're, you're, you're not on time. However, regardless, when that baby is born, it feels like the perfect time, right? You might be waiting. You've been through hours of labor, and you've been pushing, Lord Jesus, get this thing out of me. Or, you, or, you, or, you've, or, you've, or you're overdue. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many know that you, you just feel overdue sometimes? And, and you're overdue. But when the baby comes, for some reason, we're not focused on all the work that got us to this point. When that baby comes out and you hold that baby in your arms, hey, listen, all of a sudden now, perfect, perfect timing. What did we have to do? We had to trust a process. 
we went through a process of adoption. Our third child is adopted, and we went through this process. We, were, we, were, we, had, we had went through uh, uh, a couple agencies, and we went through uh, Guatemala was the first one. We were going to go through Guatemala, and that shut down. Then we ended up going to Peru on a missions trip, fell in love with the nation. We put our paperwork in through Peru, and immediately they approved us. Within three months, it's like our lawyer was telling us this is one of the fastest uh, we've ever seen happen. Well, uh, we waited, and we waited. I took more mission trips down there just serving the people of Peru because I love the country, and uh, we were just waiting. And so we'd ask every year, any, any, any progress on our stuff? No, nothing yet. So we waited four years. And we went, waited four years, and then the agency came back and said, Peru is no longer going to adopt to America. Your, your adoption is officially over. Your paperwork is expired, and they, they will not adopt to you from Peru. Now, I waited four years. I was actually, uh, my wife had called me, and we waited, and that was a, that was a kind of a, a moment where we were like, okay, we know we're supposed to adopt. I was in Cincinnati in a prayer meeting, and I sent my wife back when we had the flip phone. He had to text like, in order to get C, you had to hit it three times. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I was in a prayer meeting with Lou Engel in, in, uh, in Cincinnati, and the Lord moved on me about adoption. I texted her. I said, do you want to adopt? <laughs> I know she was trying to figure out how to get back. What in the world did he just say? Like trying to find. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, I just feel like the Lord wants us to adopt. And so I knew the Lord had given us a promise. Now, we're about five or six years into this process, waiting. I'm getting ready to go on a, a, a a mission trip. I'm planning. I'm taking 29 students to the jungle, and uh, my wife was at work, and uh, somebody had called into the office and, and was talking to the the pastor's wife. And my wife just felt the urge to say to her, if that phone call was about adoption, um, we would be uh, open. <laughs> she didn't ask me. Amen. I guess she just figured I was in. And so she said, we'd be open. She said, funny, that's, that's what the phone call was about. So immediately we began the process. We had to get our home study redone and everything like that. And so uh, to make it right, uh, we wanted that, that person to kind of, there was people within the church there that, that would write letters um, as, as being a prospective family uh, for this child. And so I'll never forget, I was sitting in the Walmart parking lot. I had to get some duct tape because you got to have duct tape in the jungle. You don't know what you're going to get into and the, the birth mom had, had called my wife, and they put me on a three-way speakerphone. And I said, hey, what's going on? I, you know, I thought it was just my wife, and it was, the other, it was the other lady on there, too. I was like, hey, I'm at Walmart. I'm getting my stuff to go to the jungle. And she said, and, and the birth mom was like, well, you've been chosen. I said, what is this? The price is right? <laughs> She's like, yep, I, uh, I've chosen you to adopt who is, who is now Braxton. Braxton's 11. We just celebrated 11 years with this young man, and we, we got him at birth. And it was crazy because I, I waited, and my emotions were up. My emotions were down all the way to the last minute of rights being terminated and, 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 and papers being signed. And we're waiting in the hallway. My wife is exhausted. She's like, I don't care what happens. <sighs> And I'm waiting. I'm like, honey, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. She's like, because you ain't been doing it. So I, been, I, I was waiting, and we were waiting. We had to wait for the lawyers to come out. 
And we watched the lawyers walk out. We could tell on their face, we thought, oh boy, this didn't go well. And they looked at us and said, just give her a moment. Uh, but she went ahead and signed the, the papers. And, and so, man, phew, literally just lost it in that moment. It was like a pressure valve had been released in that moment because we saw and trusted for so long God in this moment for this. And it took about seven, eight years for this process to happen. We had to trust. Listen, if it's not God's timing, you can't make it happen. But if it is God's timing, you can't stop it. So you have to trust his timing. Uh, I heard a story as I, as I close out. Um, as, as I heard a story of a trapeze flyer. When you think about trapeze flyers, when you go. And uh, Henry Nguyen, he wrote a book called Sabbatical Journeys. And he writes about some friends who, who, uh, who were trapeze artists. They were called the Flying Rudellas. And um, he told the story about the special relationship between the flyer and the catcher uh, uh, of the trapeze. And so you have one that's, that's catching and you have one that's flying, okay? And so the flyer is the one that, that lets go and the catcher is the one that catches. And so as the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when he must let go. And all of a sudden, he arches out into the air. His job is to remain as still as possible and listen, wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. And one of the flying rudellas told Newman this. This is what he told him. He said this, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. So the guy that's fully arched out in the middle of, of, of everything, he must, he must not try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust the catcher will catch him, but he must wait. In other words, he's got to wait for him. He, as he's flying across, he can't, he can't do anything different. He's got to stay completely still. And then all of a sudden, the catcher with his hands grabs the, the person that had let go. And I think about that from when it comes to waiting and waiting on God during this season. Is as we wait on God, as we wait on him to do something that we can trust this time, that we might feel like we're free-falling. We might feel like that we're just, that we're out here all on our own. But if we just hang on tight, if we trust, if we stay faithful, if we stay passionate, if we continue to follow hard after him, it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some counsel, but is patient towards you. In other words, God's not slow to fulfill his promise. It just might not be in your timing. You have to trust. You have to trust the Lord in that moment. As, you're, as you feel like, hey, I've been waiting on some stuff. You have to trust the Lord that he's going to catch you because he's a good God. He's a God that's going to, he's going to bring you through. So don't waste your waiting. If majority of life is spent waiting, then majority of your spiritual walk is going to be spent waiting. Don't waste it. Don't waste the waiting because God tells us as David would always say this. He would say, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, you hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Listen to what he says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. In other words, the waiting is not to deplete you. The waiting is to strengthen you. 
The waiting period is a trusting period that says, God, I'm going to trust you even when I don't see you're working. I'm trusting that you're working, and I'm believing. I'm going to stay faithful, I'm going to stay trusting, and I'm going to stay focused. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. There are people in this room that are in the waiting period. And Jesus, you're over the waiting. I thank you today, Father God, that your Holy Spirit is moving in this place today, that your word is true. As your word is declared, I thank you today that your Holy Spirit is touching hearts in this moment. There are people in this room that are in the waiting period. They've waited. And God, they don't feel like they're seeing things happen. Well, I pray today that they stay faithful. I pray today that they would trust you. And I pray today that they would stay focused on your word, on your ways, and on your work. That we would stay focused as Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That God is in the waiting that you produce people of grit. Not people that run from the problem, not people that run because the promise hasn't happened in our timing, but you produce people of grit, people that will persevere in the waiting. That God, even in the waiting, we can grow closer to you. We would grow closer to you in the waiting season. That God, as we wait, you're forming us, you're molding us, you're making us into something brand new. And so, Father, we love you today. Thank you for your word. If you're in this room today or you're watching online, you say, Pastor, I've never made a decision to say yes to Christ. Or maybe you have and you've walked away from God and Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make a decision today. And I want to pray that prayer. I'm going to pray with you. I'm just going to pray with you today. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, the Lord Jesus, that we'll be saved. And so today, if you're in this place, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make a recommitment. I need to recommit my life or I need to commit my life to Christ. If you're in this place, will you do me a favor? Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you this morning. You say, that's me. I need to make a decision. Yes, ma'am. Who else? Anybody else in the room? Let's say, I need to make a fresh commitment. If you're watching online, just type the word yes in the comments. Anybody else? I'll wait just a minute. You say, Pastor, I need to come home to the Lord. I need to make that decision today. Well, let's pray this morning. Let's all pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, to raise from the dead. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I am a sinner in need of a savior. So forgive me, cleanse me, heal me. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand clap, everybody? Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.